Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as director at Mamma Mia Podcast Network. Can't cook, but can bake like the sun. Went on a reality TV show and didn't use the word journey once. Humans of Twitter is their stories, in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Monique Bowley. Hello, Malk. I am a human. I am on Twitter and all of the social medias. So, hello. Hello, Monique. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Ooh. <laughs> do you know I just say hello, I'm Monique. Good. And that's it. And Accurate. then uh, when... It depends who I'm talking to, but quite often I don't let people get to the point where they ask me what I do because I'm infinitely curious about other people. So I'll just mm. say, tell me about you. And you know what it's like. Most people love talking about themselves. So I can get through entire hours of conversation without actually telling anyone anything about me, which suits me perfectly, which is also why I'm finding today's chat a bit weird because normally I'm the one asking the questions of people and I don't like talking about myself. Is that a, a developed skill or is this a natural reflection of your producer background? I just don't think I'm interesting. Oh, right. And I just find other people far more interesting. But, yeah, maybe it is a producer thing. Maybe as I've spent almost 15 years asking people about themselves and trying to get the best stories out of them. So maybe it's that. I sound like a wanker already, don't I? Rubbish. Oh, look, seriously, everyone, deep breath and out. Yeah. Monique, you're an excellent person and that's only a small part of why I wanted to have a chat with you. All right, let's chat. So what are you passionate about? Hmm. People, stories, mm. podcasting, baking, cleaning. I'm going through a massive cleaning bent at the moment. Um, yeah, that's what I'm passionate about. Mainly people Wait. trying to be a better person without being a wanker. Yeah. What does it look like for you to be a better person? What does that mean? Um, just being, I'm a bit of a shit friend <laughs> and I'd like to be a bit of uh, a better friend to people and I'd like to not be an asshole at work as well. Is that it? Why do you think you're an asshole at work? Because I work in the media and I work mm. For I work for the internet, which is what how I described my job the other day to a, an elderly, like an old cab driver. He was like, so what do you do, love? And I was like, well. And I, in my head I was like, how do I explain podcasting to a taxi driver who just doesn't give a shit, who just wants to talk to me about Malcolm Turnbull? I was like, I work on the internet. Yeah. What was the question again? Something about what I do. You go the internet every day. Yeah. I don't know. Why do you think you're an asshole? Because I get busy and I get snippy and I don't, I don't know, I, try, I just, this is the thing. I go to work to get work done, right? Not to make friends, not to fucking, sorry, are we allowed to swear on this? Probably yeah. not. Not to join the work social club. All of that's fine. But when I'm at work, I'm there to do work and I get paid to do work. So when people want to like sidle up to me in the kitchen and stuff and just have a chin wag about their weekend, I just couldn't. I just, in my head, I think about all the things I could be doing right then and there, which directly flies in the face of me saying I'm interested in people, doesn't it? Maybe I'm not interested in all people. 
It could be that you're interested in everybody except the people you work with. <laughs> They're interesting too, but I don't know. I just, I have, I'm such a people pleaser and I'm also just wracked by Catholic guilt every step of my life. I just feel, <laughs> I always feel constantly like I'm not doing enough for people. Yeah. That's such a great mix. A people pleaser that is racked with Catholic guilt. Oh, gosh. A people pleaser that hates people. Look, you wouldn't be the first one, Mr. Turnbull. I'm oh, sorry, Monique. <laughs> um, it's I, – I think that you – my perception of what you're saying is that you really do dig hearing about people and, and – and, when your job is so consumed about talking to people and asking them those questions and hearing about their lives, mm. that when it's about getting the stuff done, because it's not always the questions, is it? There is the planning and the meetings and the production and the post and all of the other things. Oh, so much. If my job was just making podcasts, I'd be so happy. It's all the mm. other stuff that, yeah, that completely gets in the way of it all. Strategy. Yes, strategy. Social media. Um, just ideas ideation that's a big word what what yeah what's ideation i think it's where you sit in a room and talk about ideas and then you talk about how you'd implement them so the cre- creation of ideas ideation it sounds made up i think a lot of what the internet does is i think a lot of what digital media companies do is made up and they just hope that one day something will stick isn't that the theory that's the theory of life I think so. <laughs> How did you come to be a podcast network director? Well, I was hired by Mamma Mia about just over a year ago to write yes. for them and to be a senior editor. And at the time they had a podcast that they'd sort of been dabbling in the field and they needed a reboot of it. And I was like, listen, I've got all this – I've got all of this background in radio. Like, why don't you just let me have a crack at it? And I remember Mia Friedman. This was like one of the first times I'd ever met Mia Friedman. And she just looked at me and was just like, who are you? And why are you in my building? And what is what is this? And I was like, Mia, I've got, like, I've been working in radio since I was like 18. Like, just let me have a go at it. And she was like, sure, okay. Because she's the kind of woman that would just give anyone a go. Yes. And then our one show turned into eight suddenly within a year. That's a, yeah. I don't know how it happened. That's excellent job security. It is, isn't it? It is, which is good for me because I have this constant fear of being unemployed because I went, I was working in the media in Adelaide and jobs in Mm -hmm. media in Adelaide are very few and far between. And I went through a period, I went through a period where I went away to do the Great Australian Bake Off with Channel 9 and I had to leave my job to do it. And then when I got back, I didn't have a job and I spent probably almost a year unemployed and it was like the darkest time of my life. It was really, really hard. And so now I'm just like if anyone gives me a whiff of a job, I'm like, yes, I'll do it. I'll be there. I'll do it. Here's my 80 hours a week. Here's my 90 hours a week. What else can I do? So when Mia said to me, go forth and create podcasts, I was like, here's a podcast and here's another one. And here I have all the podcasts and just never, never fire me, anyone. Because I know that not having a job is the worst. It is the actual worst. Yes, I hear that. And Absolutely. I've got all of these friends at the moment, Malk, who are, 
deciding to take a step back from work and just work part-time. What? Yeah. I've got friends that want to go freelance and that want to just work three days a week, not because they have children, but just because as a lifestyle choice. And I'm like sickly envious of that and also terrified of doing it and also just I just can't imagine that. I'm 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 happy for them, but I'm like how mm-hmm. could aren't we all supposed to just be working until we drop dead? There are elements that suggest that, that that's the truth. Although I think that you know the whole 5 and 2 thing probably is to allow us to not do it till we drop dead. Uh wow. Monique, there's so much to unpack in that. I know. And do you know, I feel like I'm doing a botched job of this so far and I'd be so happy to start completely all all over again. No, this is a great conversation because there's a lot in this that I want to understand if you don't mind me asking some questions. Okay. For coming out of Bake Off, because I do want to talk about that as well because that is a delightful period, I think. Uh, Coming out when you were doing that, that year of, unemployment slash filling in casual worky things. Mm. What What is it do you think in the pit of your stomach that was like, I hate this. I just want a job. Is it, is it, is it that mix of Catholic guilt? Is it uh, a, a historical thing within your family? Or is it just Monique wants to just to get the job done? It's all of it. I think uh, I, my parents are really hardworking from, mm. they're from the country of South Australia and, they had four children and it was just there was never enough money to go around, there was never enough anything to go around and dad just worked his fingers to the bone all the time. So I think that was yeah. part of it. Like, you know, you are what you see. Yes. And then, yeah, working, being having no job or working bits and pieces is terrifying and it's I found for me at the beginning, it was really liberating because I thought I could do anything. I could, I could be a baker. I could go and be a librarian. Like I had this, all this stuff ahead of me, but then I found I had too many decisions to make. And I just wanted, I don't know. I just like security. You know, I also grew up playing a lot of sport and being part of a team. And I just need, my life needs a team around it. And it needs like structure. I need to know that I'm going to training three or four times a week or I'm going to work every day. Like I just need structure. Otherwise I'd just be out of my mind. And also the money thing, Malk, I had a mortgage at the time. So that uh, not having yeah. an income to pay that mortgage was very terrible. terrible. It's very stressful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. The mortgage is going to get paid because that's, that's a serious, it's not like, you know, defaulting on a personal loan or a car loan, right? This is the house that I live in that I loved so much I wanted to buy it and I borrowed a lot of money from the bank for it. Mm. Yes. Stressful. Stressful. It's not America. You can't just walk away and start again. I mean, you can, but the the, the debt follows you here. Yeah. It's crazy. Do you have a team in your personal, private, not work life that, that you lean on in the same way? In my not work life? Yes, you're outside of the work hours minutes that you have. Yes, my people. Well, mm. I don't at the moment. I'm trying to build one in Melbourne because I had one in Adelaide. I had a tribe of people that were some of the best women I knew and I, yes. I met them through the Country Women's Association where I was the president of the Adelaide branch and I just had this tribe of women, just extraordinary, funny, authentic, brilliant, smart, great 
life-affirming women and then had to leave all of that and come to Melbourne. And I'm still kind of searching for, for my people here. And I started a book club to try and meet people. First of all, I started, I joined a running club because I was like, oh, I'll meet some people there and that'll be great. But they were all, you know, you, the thing I discovered very quickly is you can't make friends when you're in a running club because I was just like puffing so hard the whole time, <laughs> just blowing oxygen in and out. I couldn't talk to anyone. They would be like, so where are you from? And I'd be like, just water, just water, need water. <laughs> uh, so that fell over pretty quickly and then I started a book club. But... My book club has taken on a life of its own and mm. I started it just for the reason that we could just like, like not really read the book, just get together, talk about the book for five minutes and then yeah. drink wine and have a chat about what's on TV and what people, what's going on in people's lives. But this book club's kind of turned into the very, a very sort of academic think piece every month Ooh. about the novel and I would suggest books that had been on Oprah's book club, you know, like easy to read and they'd be poo-pooed so now and now the people that are in my book club have recruited all of their friends who are like-minded sort of academics and things so now the book club is just it's like going back to uni in and being in a tutorial where I don't understand a single word and I just want to I just want to read an Oprah's book club selection what's wrong with that are you being frozen out of your own book club (laughs) yes that's crazy they're nice girls but they just, it's all business at book club. They just want to talk about the book and like really in depth, the themes of it, the characters, mm. the story arc, the, you know, what parts they recognized in themselves. I'm like, just mm. hand me that Pinot and let's talk about 70 Switch. But <laughs> no, they don't want to. So maybe, do I, and then, then there's this awkward situation of do I just leave the book club that I started or do I just wait it out? And because I am a people pleaser, I will probably still be in that book club. Um, yes, providing some excellent baked goods. Yeah. Do I start a new book club? Mm. Tricky. Or, or you start a TV club. Here's the problem with that. I don't watch mm. any TV. <laughs> I don't. Well, my, my suggestions are right. That's all I've got. I can't talk to the. Uh, I can't tell you that, can I? That I don't watch TV. You are no, you, you are Mister TV. I know that people don't watch TV. Whoever those three people are, I found one of them today. Uh, that's that's fine, Monique. I know that people don't do it. I'm just not that into. Like, I come to work in the morning and everyone's like, "Oh, I binge watched the entire season eleven of Nashville." And I'm like, "Where do you get this time? Where does it? Mm. How do you? Why?" Tell me your secrets. Yeah. But it's a choice for someone like you who's so highly motivated and so oriented around pleasing people and those sorts of things. Spending time watching even three or four hours of a TV show is something that doesn't press Monique's buttons from what I'm understanding. I'm just not into it. And about a month ago, I did a month of radical honesty. At the start of this year, Mm. I spent an entire month of my life just being radically, radically honest with everyone. I had this moment at work where I just, How many friends don't you have now? I know. It was terrible. <laughs> it was a bad thing to do and I do not recommend anyone do it. Uh, the And I just had this moment at work where I had to say to everyone, please stop asking me about TV. I don't watch it. And to be honest, I don't like watching it. 
and it was like I'd done a big shit on the table. Like we work in a, I work in a media company where we write stories about this kind of stuff all the time. But, I mean, I watch things for work purposes but just not that into TV, which is odd because I've been on a TV show, which yes. I really enjoyed. And, in fact, I'd really like to be a TV producer. I'm a mess. Oh, Monique, look, my advice to you is don't go down the TV production path. It's a soulless horrible you have to check so much of yourself at the door um unless you get into some sort of wonderfully uplifting tv program like you know long lost family or whatever and then it's well it's all you know bunnies and rainbows and unicorns um everything else is just wow what do you mean soulless how well you mean it's not real (laughs) (laughs) you know that tv producers are just there to get the job done right yeah yeah, so am I. That's my modus operandi. Everything I do in life is just to get the job done. Yeah, but getting the job done in a TV context means that they don't care about the talent <laughs> or the, not even – they care about the talent, I apologise. So if we talk about the hosts and the expensive talent, they care about them. They don't care about the rest of you little snippy little people that are just here to try think you're the next master chef. You just do as you're told and you'll turn up when you and you do it. Cook now, damn it. I know. During Bake Off, I did think that so many times. I thought, why do they even bother actually getting regular Australians to audition for these shows? Why don't they just get actors? Because they all, they just put you in a, they, you, you're all playing a role anyway. Why do they bother yeah. with actual humans? It's weird. You're fitting a checklist. Before we talk about Bake Off, I do want to ask another suggestion. Why have you not then joined the CWA in Melbourne? I haven't had time to yep. be perfectly honest. There's a lot of stuff I want to do in Melbourne that I haven't had time to do, which is um, because I've, I'm working harder now than I've ever worked in my entire life. And I'm, I'm throwing, I'm leaning in, Mulk. I'm leaning yes. in and... People shame me for it actually quite a bit, which I find really interesting. People always say to me, oh, stop working so hard and just take some time for yourself. And I think, but I actually really enjoy working hard. Is that a a dirty thing to say? In part, it sounds like it, in that Australian culture is, you know, get in, work happens, go home and, and enjoy life. It's not a common occurrence in the current Australian vernacular to be someone who loves work so much that they're going to do. People feel that you're making them look bad because you're working so hard. But it's not about them. It's yeah, yeah. Okay, it's all about them. No, I just totally. I'm I'm quite addicted to work. I think. Well, all addictions are something that need to be measured, though. Correct. Yeah. So. Being addicted to work can have its positive outcomes and have its negative outcomes. Yeah, it turns you into an asshole. <laughs> my family hate me. <laughs> Gosh. My dog hates me. My family hate me. My partner hates me. Uh, but, hey, I'm making someone a lot of money, so. You're getting the job done, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're in a unique position. No, I don't think anybody else in Australia has the job of producing a bunch of podcasts every week and that's their entire job. I know. It's it's not bad, hey. It's pretty good. Uh, I can't complain. I know lots of podcasters on the internet, particularly in one specific Facebook group, that are very jealous. Really? 
these the people that are jealous just see the end result. They don't see all of the strategy, the ideation, the planning, all of the things that go on behind the scenes to allow you to just produce podcasts. I know. It's funny because um, my dad said to me the other day, how long does it take you to do one episode of Mamma Mia Out Loud, which is sort of our flagship show? Um, mm-hmm. It goes for about between 45 to an hour every week. And I said, oh, I reckon probably eight to nine hours for that one show. And he was gobsmacked. And this is the perception that people have about podcasting is that you just sit down, you plonk down in front of a microphone and just have a chat. And that's what we want it to sound like, but it's very much not that at all. Um, Yeah, like you said, so much ideation and production and editing. And there's a lot of stuff that we do in the shows that don't make it to the final cut. You know, we cut, I cut big chunks out, put them aside for a rainy day or just stuff doesn't work and we dump it. Um, so sometimes we'll end up with a two-hour show that gets cut down to 45 to an hour, which creates a hell of a lot more work for me. I really should stop doing that. But it means you get a good show at the end of it. Well, it does nice and tight. And that, in the broader sense, from an amateur podcasting perspective, is really uncommon. To do light, bright and tight. Yes. Do you know, it's funny, we had this um, meeting with the head of iTunes content a couple of weeks ago and she we asked her, what are the big trends in podcasting? And she said, length, length is really big. Shows that go for two to three, up to four hours. Crazy. Get so many downloads. And I just think that just makes me feel sick. Who's got time to listen to three hours of someone crapping on about their life? Mm. I'm all about shorter shows and I always, I keep trying to drum into everyone at Mamma Mia. Like you've got to be educating, entertaining or engaging people. If not, like no one wants to hear your boring story about your garden or what you did with your friends and how drunk you got. Like you've got to give people something when they're listening. What value are you giving to the listener? So, um, and people always ask me what makes a good podcast and just don't be boring is what I say. Don't be boring and think about your listener. Don't think, don't think about yourself when you do it. Think about what people are going to get out of it. But yeah, length, I can't cope with two hour podcasts. You just got to break them up. I think 30 minutes is a good time for a podcast because that's a good, like it's a good exercise time. It's a good commute time. Mm. But having said that, none of our podcasts are 30 minutes. I try, but yeah. What do you think? Oh, well, that, that's the aim for humans of Twitter is to get that 35 sort of minute conversation. Now, I will offer of late, it has been stretching to 40 something, nearly 50. Do you notice a decrease in downloads when it does? Um, no, but then I don't have, I don't have, you know, downloads in the hundreds of thousands per episode. So, you know, people are very generously listening to the episodes and enjoying the, dif- my differentiator is, you know, uniquely different people each time. And I think they hear the conversation and that sometimes it's a shorter one because that's how the person is responding at that point, or it's a longer one because we dive in or we grab onto some moment uh, and the roller coaster begins. Mm. But I am acutely aware of not getting more than sort of 60 minutes. That's bad mulk at that point. I was worried about, I remember putting an episode out about, eight months ago that was 55 minutes and it was the longest one we'd ever done. And I remember just thinking in my stomach, oh, it's just going to be dreadful. No one's going to – people will see 55 minutes in their feed and they won't listen. But the opposite happened. We didn't have mm. – we didn't notice a decrease at all. And, in fact, people, people were rejoicing that there was even more to listen to. 
And I wonder if people are people are just hungry for podcast milk, aren't they? They're mm, mental about absolutely. it. Absolutely, they are well, greedy, greedy, greedy listeners. Definitely. I mean, it, humans are Twitter. At let's nail it right down. It's a popularity contest. Um, people are going to tune in, and, and because you also get not just the subscribers, but people who are friends or followers or fans of that person. And when you drop that episode, if they promote and share it, then I'll get one-time listeners from that person that may or may not convert. And that's totally fine. That's, that's the end result. But the flip is that you look at something like, like let's take Willosophy, Will Anderson's um, conversational podcast that isn't necessarily about comedy and more about uh, his subjects he just dropped a two and a something hour one with uh, Osher Ginsburg yeah. that is an incredible conversation that is two and a bit hours long. Yeah. Like you, you've got, for some people that's one sitting, for some that's two or three. But they still come back. That's the benefit of it. You can pause it and when you come back, Will and Osher are still talking. That's true. I mean, people listen to audio books, don't they? People yes. lap them up and they're 57 hours. Oh, yes. Um, no one's going to listen to this episode, and my humble apologies in advance for that. Just drop it on Easter Sunday when everyone's busy doing other stuff. That is complete rubbish. <laughs> I know of at least two people. One of them is named Michael, uh, who will absolutely download and listen to this. <laughs> Can we talk about Bake Off? Is that okay? If you want. Do you know I'm more, I'm so desperate to talk more about podcasts because okay. no one understands it, Malk. And then I try I spend my entire days trying to convince people of the benefits of it. And now I'm yeah. talking to someone that understands the benefits of it. Let's talk more about it. <laughs> okay, well let's talk more about it. Do you find in your role with Mamma Mia that you have to edu- continually educate people, even that you work with, yeah. about podcasts and why they're great? Oh God, yeah. God yeah. I don't think um People are only still coming around to it now, which is infinitely frustrating. But the part that I like the most is that when people get on board with them, they become evangelical about it. Mm-hmm. And then pe- people say to me constantly, I'll never go back to commercial radio. I will never go back to what I was listening to before. I'm addicted. I'm addicted. And then it becomes this self-fulfilling just roller coaster of what are you listening to have you heard this it's just it's brilliant and I don't want to speak ill of commercial radio because I cut my teeth on it but I listened the other morning to one of the breakfast shows in Melbourne and I was gobsmacked at how terrible it was (laughs) I was like but where is the part that benefits me as a listener it wasn't there it was just 90 seconds of just crapping on and then 18 ads and then a song. Yeah, I was like, Taylor Swift song. I was like, oh, that's right. That's why people are listening to podcasts. Ooh, bitchy, yeah. bitchy, bitchy. Well, it's not unreasonable. And, and I am always perplexed and interested by uh, when, you know, said breakfast shows or, or whatever, they deliver their podcast of their show, which is all of those 90-second bits cut and dropped take all the ads out, take the music out, just distilled down to the things that they said. Some shows do that really well. Like I think Hamish and Andy in their podcast world are smart because they, they write links and deliver stuff and, and and see it as a separate or an extension of their show. And then you just get the shows and go, here's our podcast, and it's just Flapper and The Who 
uh, and the things that they said this morning. Who cares? I know. I can't believe that commercial radio hasn't gone down, hasn't taken podcasting more seriously as an extension. Like they are sitting on. Can you imagine the facilities they have in their station? Oh, content gold. Oh, my God. Just amazing. So I... I wonder whether that's going to happen in the next year or so, whether they're going to take it, start taking it seriously and actually curating content for it because podcasting is so different to broadcasting. Um, yes. Yeah, why haven't they done that yet? It, it would have to be the almighty dollar, right? It's because... The same reason that digital radio is still a kind of a thing and not totally a thing. Yeah, because no one knows what the analytics are and it's hard to be shared amongst them. Is that what it is? But surely it's a good extension for their brands to be aligned with. I don't know. Well, it's all about the money. I mean, and and <sighs> look, at, look at podcasting now. There are many different ways that people are, let's call it monetizing mm. or trying to make some cash off their podcast, whether it's uh, your Patreon, whether it's supporters-based stuff, similar to Patreon, like a subscriber notion or whether it is the traditional ad, sell, read, placement kind of situation. Yeah, how do Mamma Mia make money around podcasts if that's not too sensitive to discuss? Well, we – sponsors just buy podcasts mm. and we give them 100% share of ear is what they call it. Nice. <laughs> so we'll only ever have one sponsor per podcast and – they sell it in as, I think they sell it in as part of an entire suite of things. So a sponsor will get a podcast, they'll get, because every podcast that we make then gets a written post on the website and then gets yes. social media backing and we have a social media army of 2 million women or something. So it's, it's part of wow. that. But have you heard about Wooshka? Have you read about Wooshka? I have. Uh, well, in that I got, like every other podcast in Australia, got sent the email yesterday. You got an email about it? Yeah, I got the standard form email for two, three of the podcasts that I've got. It was really badly done, I have to say. I, I've heard of Wooshka. What's Wooshka that you've heard of, Monique? So Wooshka is, has started by, hang on, who's the guy that started it? He used to head up Macquarie Radio. Yes. What's his name? Rob something? I should know this. Sounds about right. Rob Lowenthal. Yes. Used to run Macquarie Radio, left it, and st- and his, Wooshka is his startup where he's taking podcasts, so podcast creators like yourself, take you take your podcast to Rob, he puts it on his network, and then he gets advertisers coming in and going, I want to spend $100,000 on podcasts in this demographic, and then ad go, and then Rob goes boom, 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 and it's, it's dynamic ad insertion for podcasts. Because what's missing in the market, that's how I understand it, is what's missing in the market is advertisers want to spend money in podcasts. They're desperate because they, it's an emerging thing. You know, everyone's, it's the engagement and the intimacy, but they don't, no one's come along yet and said, here's how you do it and I'm going to make it easy for you. And that's what Rob's doing. And also I think as analytics and depth and get better, because sometimes, you know, when you listen to an episode of say, oh, I don't know, a Slate podcast, and they'll go, oh, stamps.com. And you think, oh, that doesn't relate to me. I can't get stamps.com. This Wooshka is going to go, okay, Monique Bowley is listening to a podcast and she's a female in this demographic mm-hmm. and she lives here, so we're going to put an ad for, boom, 
Magnum ice creams in it or something. Now I really want a Magnum ice cream. Yeah. If Magnum ice cream would like to sponsor this episode, yeah. be very happy with that. Uh, this was not a sponsored mention. <clears throat> but people, our listeners get really shirty about ads. And yeah. we the other day we started one of our podcasts with a chat about the women's cricket team. Just like off the cuff, hey. Conversation. A conversation yeah. about the women's cricket. And someone wrote in saying, I think it's disgusting that you don't delineate your advertising from your sponsored content from normal content and I think I feel cheated and I had to write back and go actually we were genuinely interested in the women's cricket and isn't it isn't it terrible that people assume that when we talk about women's sport that it's a sponsored segment you know we wouldn't genuinely be interested in it so we always try and um really be really delineate our ads from our um normal content because yes. people get weird about it. But I'm like, you know what? Here's an hour's entertainment for you for free. Mm. Like we're not – we could be – people could be charging for podcasts, but they're not. So It's an interesting situation, isn't it? Because podcasts at the, the very core of it is something that we have done for free and put on the internet and have built up an audience, yeah. big or small, people that love to hear it, want to hear more of it, uh, uh, keen, invested. You've built a, a small community, well, large community in some cases. And to help perpetuate that, some people have gone, for me to do this more regularly or even as regularly as I do it, I need some cash to make that happen. I don't think on the whole people are overly stressed about that. The thing that starts to transform is the how we make the money out of that. And that's where your subscri- subscription process or your Patreon, people are happy because I don't have to, but I, there's other benefits to me and it's not an ad per se versus some people are like, well, yeah, I don't care. Drop ads in. That's fine. I can just press the little 15 second skip thing and get through it and mm. I'm back to my show or I can listen to it if I'm interested. It's like TV, you know, ads exist on TV. We're used to that. Yeah, I yeah. can now skip past them or I can watch them. That's my choice as a consumer. Mm. I wonder if it's because people feel this unnatural level of engagement and intimacy with their hosts. Like, and then suddenly when you're telling, when you're putting a cell on someone, it can be a bit awkward. You know, it's like having that friend that you think you're friends with and then suddenly they start to sell you Amway, Amway or New Ways or. Yes. I think that's it. You've, you've not, we're sitting at a table, we're having a conversation and the listener is the third, fourth, fifth person in that chat. And it feels intimate because it's in their ears and in their head. And then when the ad read appears or the conversation about the sponsored content thing happens, it can, it can sometimes not always feel a bit icky. Yeah. People will get used to it. Yeah. Well, that's it. If if podcasting had started like that with ads and those sorts of things, then I think it would just be an accepted thing, right? We have ads on radio, we have ads on TV, not every podcast, lots of podcasts don't have ads. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a warm-up. I mean, Mum and Me have the benefit, though, as a flip side. Mm. Talking about the Wooshka advertising thing, you mentioned that ads for Mum and Me have come out of a broader deal. Mum mm. and Me have salespeople yes. that are selling to, to – it's not like Malk's going, um, hey, company B, would you like to put your widgets – I can sell your widgets on my podcast – would you like to sell me? Some, I'd sell widgets. Help. 
give me money. Exactly. We've got people that know how to do it. And I go, here is the thing. Go and sell the thing. And they go, okay. So, and yeah, I wish I could be more helpful with how we do it, but I don't really understand that bit. No, no, it, it happens. It's part of the machine. Yeah. And this is where the Wooshka thing steps in because it takes the sales portion out of the podcaster's responsibility you know, circle. Yeah. Ads come in. If it fits the thing, it goes into your podcast and you get some money for that. And you go, wow, I made five bucks this week. Yeah. That's very awesome. Wooshka is going to be making, yeah, they're going to be making gravy. I reckon the commercial radio networks should be mopping their brow a little with sweat on that. I I am still amazed somewhat that it is 2016 and we've got stuff like uh, Spotify and Pandora and Apple Music that have transformed how we consume music and get music and listen to music. And and I know that the car is almost the last bastion of the radio. Uh, taxis are what is keeping AM talk back alive. Um, but we could step way beyond that. And it, that transformation is long overdue, don't you think? For cars to get podcasts in them? No, just for the fact that radio is still this something. It's It's not too different to what it was when it first started people talking with some ads and some music and off we go. And we're still doing that in 2016 and we haven't really changed that approach. I know. It's weird, isn't it? it is radio the newspaper? of? Is it going down that same path of, that, of the heritage media or will it just be the great stayer? I mean, they always said that TV would kill radio and that never happened. Um, I think radio's advantage will be in talkback because I think mm. that's still really important. Yeah, you can't do talkback podcasts. No, you can't. I've thought about it many times. <laughs> if only we could. Yeah. Um, it, it's the, the end of, uh, and we are now in the, the death throes, the flailing death throes of print newspaper media, as much as those around it like to say, oh, but, you know, I'm not saying newspapers are dead, just their transformation from, printed form to the online consumption form is hastening. You know, Mm. the talk of by the end of 2016, uh, the Fairfax press will only print physical copies on the weekends Mm. uh, is something that, you know, long been talked about, but for it to be actually really happening means that I think that is the beginning of the end for some of the traditional media deliveries. And I think that can only impact Radio. I don't understand how they can afford to pay breakfast hosts a million dollars plus a year. Oh, my uh, God. I think about that all the time. I think about that all the time. How much did they pay Hamish and Andy? Oh, it's ludicrous amounts of money. I'm Googling it. I have, I have a feeling it is in multiple millions, but it was a multiple-year deal. I think that they are a bit of a special case. But, yeah, I agree. When you're paying oh, – Weren't they going to pay uh, Jackie O and Kyle? Their kiss deal or the the alleged Southern Cross Stereo offer to get them back. Yeah, what was that offer? $14 a year? It was big. Something like that. How? How do you – where is this this money coming from? I don't know. Crazy. It can't um, be all advertising. I got invited to a kiss function. I don't, it's got to be. But I went to a kiss function um, 
a couple of oh, it was a Justin Bieber function. That's right. Oh, Justin Bieber went to their rooftop, and I I got invited, and I went along, and it was laid on so thick. It was like drinks and food and Bieber mm-hmm. and like just in this in these beautiful beautiful offices in the centre of Melbourne, and I was just in my head just thinking all this. Where's all this money coming from? <laughs> <laughs> and how can I get some of it? Like we just at Mamma Mia, we honestly we do things on the smell of an oily rag. It's like our studio is falling to pieces. It's just we just it we just make do and mend everything that we do. Like it's we have mm. such a startup mentality to just yeah walk into these palatial radio studios. Just makes my mouth get all like I just get all this saliva in my mouth and think oh yeah. what a oh wow <laughs> imagine that imagine working there every day. Yes. And, but that's the thing. I think they become numb to it. The people that do work in these incredible, uh, particularly FM radio stations, they go in and they just see it and that's the accepted norm. So if they go to another one and it's not that, why would I want to go to that? Yeah. Do you think that this is an interesting chat? I do. Always in my head. Whenever I have conversations with people, I always think, how could we make this more interesting? It's a really terrible fault of mine. When people, even in social settings, when people will tell me a story, I'll think, oh, you should have started with, you should have opened with that line and you should, like a self-edit in my head. Mm. I don't know. I think this is only interesting to people that are into podcasting. Maybe. Conveniently enough, which will be a lot of people because this is a podcast. Good. True. But I'm down with that. All of those things are good. What are you listening to at the moment? Podcast. What are you obsessed with? What's the one show that drops in your feed and you go, yes? Look, I, I will shamelessly say I am fairly addicted to the dollop uh, and to Michelle uh, Laurie's Nitty Gritty Committee. She always amazes me, that lady. She's so good. I am, oh, Goodness me. She gives me um, funny feelings in my tummy when I listen to her interview people. She's unbelievable. She's really, really good. She's what I want to be when I grow up. Is she? Do you know who I yeah. want to be? Who? Uh, Charlie Pickering. Nice. I think The Weekly, for someone that doesn't watch TV, is the best show on Australian TV at the moment. I I will stick my neck out and agree. There are many people who are – uh, comic haters that think it's the death of television. But I think that what we're getting out of the weekly is sure genre wise, our own version of John Stewart, John Oliver and, and Trevor Noah and all of that stuff, but they do it so smart and so Aussie centric yeah, and employ such, and this is a rarity, such a broad range of people to write for the show that then what we get as an outcome is a sharp, funny, interesting, the, you know, the interviews aren't necessarily, you know, the the topic person du jour. We've had some really, really interesting people be interviewed. Yeah. Um, it's great. And just the way that they um, – oh, Kitty Flanagan, oh, my God, the biggest girl yeah. crush. She's unbelievable. But the way that Tom Gleeson will get people on for hard chat <laughs> and just make it all about him and yes. just barely, like, barely get a word out of, like, he had Carl – Stefanovic on and Carl barely said two words and I was just like, yes. <laughs> I love that show. That show is like my true north. I wish I was a writer on that show. That's my yes. that's my fantasy job at the moment. Is writing for the weekly. Yeah. Do you have fantasy jobs? Oh, uh, yeah, I do. 
some of them are, are quite reasonable and I just should work harder and I could probably achieve them and some of them are a bit shameful. What's your most shameful fantasy job? Oh, I would love to be a, um, a one of those Lego expert champion people that just goes around places and builds big Lego things. Get out. Really? Yeah, I love it. Love it. I'm not engineeringly smart enough to work some of that stuff out, but I am always awed by these guys and girls that have these roles. I think there's only one or two in Australia that are, um, you know, accredited Lego um, expert people, whatever they call them. Uh, see, see, how much of a dream is that? I don't even know what they're called. Uh, but they... That's not shameful. They, oh, it is for a 42-year-old man to say, I want to build Lego for the rest of my life. No, do you know, I think more adults need to be need to be in touch with their child selves. Like the other day I made smiley face biscuits, not because I was making them for like a school fate or anything, just because I was like, why the hell not? Yeah. Like stop, shove your cupcake with its fancy icing up your bum. I want a smiley face biscuit with a jelly snake in a smiley face. It's a winner. And I want to go to parties. I want yes. to go to adult parties and I want party bags at the end of it. Like mm. people just, we're all too serious about life. Oh, look, my <laughs> my daughter turned nine just last weekend. We had a birthday party for her. Cake decorating was one of the um, the, the activities and that was a lot of fun. Kids made things and, and it was all very cool, but there were freckles. Now, I haven't oh. had a freckle in the longest time and I was a little bit obsessed by it. Stop Freckles are the best. Well, the combination of hundreds of thousands and chocolate people, it's the best. Yeah. Oh. Spiders? I haven't had a spider for ages. Oh, oh that! but how easy is that to fix, right? Yeah. Just going to get a candy favourite drink, love a great big chunk of uh, vanilla ice cream in the top, you're in business. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I want a spider. What do you have? I have so many fantasies about jobs and about life. Like mm-hmm. I have this real, I have this rural fantasy at the moment. Okay, I haven't told anyone this, but I'm just going to tell you. So I keep thinking about buying a camper van and turning it into. Oh shit! I shouldn't tell you because someone will do it. Turning it into a podcast studio, like soundproofing the inside of it. Yes. And then just drive, just driving around Australia and just doing a big lap of the, of the country and just mm. recording it. But then I was like, no one would listen to that. And I thought, oh, yeah, rubbish. but I could make it for RN. Like no one listens to RN anyway. <laughs> I was just about to say to you that you could not only probably get a whole bunch of arts grant funding for that, uh, but you could absolutely get the ABC behind that 1,000 million percent, I'm sure. Yeah, but they've done it before. They've done those shows before so many times. Why would they do it again? But we're just we're doing back roads with Heather Hewitt, who is she's doing it, but she's doing the TV version of it, right? She's going out and talking to people in rural places that people don't normally get talked. Yes, to. yes, I think it's because I spent that year working on or six months working on Bush Telegraph for RN, mm. and that was one of the best jobs I've ever had. Making like those stories about rural life, people will be switching off right now and snoring, but no. it's bloody interesting. Yep. And very different. And this our country's a bit weird sometimes. And that show, when that show got axed, what a great tragedy that was. I endorse, and, and this is really looping in a lot of what we've talked about, that everyone, everyone is interesting. Mm. It doesn't matter how boring they might think they are. Or everyone has stories. Everyone has passions and interests and things that if we can get them, and sometimes it takes a little disarming cup of tea and a bicky, 
But when we get to that point, so great. Mm. Yep. Can I break your heart a little bit? Go on. That idea that you had for converting a camper van, it, A, not outrageous. B, totally achievable. C, Eddie Ift, a comedian in America, has done no. it on a bus. No. And did he live in it? Uh, I don't know that he's lived in it. I think it's a, it's uh, just a, I will go to comedy festivals, I will go to podcast festivals and pull up the pod bus. Yeah. Uh, and he crowdfunded uh, the conversion of the bus. He bought the bus. And people went, yeah, I'm in on this. Here's some money. Go for it. Oh, that's uh, great. So it exists. That's so great. Do you know, though, uh, that doesn't perturb me at all, Mock, because mm-hmm. I don't think there are any new ideas. Like everything's already all been thought of. You've just got to sure. put your own spin on it and do it your own way. Yeah. You just always described be... every podcast ever. Yeah. Everything ever, ever made. Everything's been thought of before or done before. Just repurpose, reinvent. There's no new ideas. Yep. Be the best at it. Work hard. Mm. Um, what else can we talk about? I thought we were going to get into baking then when you talked about freckles and that made me quite excited. What's your favourite thing to bake at the moment? <sighs> God. Cake, always cake. Hmm. But a specific kind of cake? Sponge, mud, yeah, red velvet? look, it sounds boring, but I'm going through a bit of a banana cake phase because oh, I'll tell you why. Yeah. I have about 80 recipes for banana cake in my cupboards, 80, and I'm yet to find the one that really knocks it on the head. And all of them are quite vastly different. Some use baking soda, some powder, some use oh, – I've got one with like glucose syrup, some with brown sugar, raw sugar, caster sugar. Like it just wow. – it goes on and on. Some have two bananas, some three, some two eggs, some one egg. Like it's just – there needs to be a standard perfect banana cake recipe and I'm yet to find it and when I do, I shall let you know. The thing for a good banana cake – for mine in consumption is it has to be moist, but not drippy and not certainly not dry around the edges, right? It's got to maintain a consistency of the crumb. If I can say that. You're right on it there. And the other thing, Oh, do you know what's helps with that? I've started putting yogurt in my cakes and it really adds so much to it. Yeah. Really into yogurt in cakes. Yeah. Um, are you a cream cheese icing man or a lemon icing man or, controversially, a chocolate icing man? Yeah, I, I am a big fan of the lemon icing with the banana cake. Mm. Chocolate, not so much. I know. And, okay, here's controversy for you. Mm. Are you round or log? Oh, I'm not discriminatory when it comes to shape. Oh. <laughs> Really? Which is part of my problem because although I do I do like a good ring cake, if for no other reason than the amount of icing that dribbles down the inside oh, of the ring yes. on your piece. It's like extra icing. It's the best. Yeah, good point. Uh, I think round banana cakes should be banished. I think they're un-Australian. Mm. I, think, um, I think the Royal Adelaide Show would agree with me. They call only – It's called banana bread otherwise, isn't it? It's, you don't have round bread. It's a banana bun then. Yeah. It is. I really am fussy about my cake shapes. 
whenever I see a square cake, I just think, what a waste. What a tragedy. <laughs> what a tragedy. They've only ever done it for efficiency's sake. That's all. It's just You just know the corners are going to be dry. Yeah. Mm. I'm a cake. People don't understand. They just, they don't. <sighs> hey, Monique. Yeah. Thank you so much for the chance to chat with you today. I could continue to speak with you for at least another hour, which means guaranteed we will have uh, a Monique Bowley round two humans to Twitter at some point in the future. Are you okay with that? Such a pleasure. Yes, of course I am. Um, such a pleasure to talk to you about podcasting. We should just just call me anytime and we can just chat about it. Not for broadcast. That, that or we just start up a podcast about podcasting, which I know there are a few already, but no one talks about podcasts like Monique and Mole. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Can the we, business and art of podcasting. Can we do it in a camper van as we go around Australia? So done. And you can so build you can build Lego at night. I'll make log banana cakes. Oh I'll whip up some good lemon icing room business. Yeah. Well, thanks, Malk. Thank you, Monique. Please no, the things that you said today are very special and you're highly valued. I really appreciate our chat. Thank you. Pleasure. You're on the tweet. That is an obvious thing. Are there other social accounts that you want to admit to, nay, alert us to? I'm on the Snapchat, Malk. I'm all about the Snapchat. But I don't know how to find me on it, so I think it's just my name. I don't know how to find anyone else on it either. So I get the millennials at work to do that for me. Uh, But, yeah, I'm on everything I'm on the socials is just my name. So Twitter is Monique Bowley. Facebook is Monique Bowley Online. Instagram's Monique Bowley, Snapchat's Monique Bowley. Lots of dog. Apologies in advance for the amount of dog and baking things that are on there. Do make sure you follow Monique. She's certainly, despite her protestations otherwise, very interesting as a human, as this last hour can attest to. Um, If you like Humans at Twitter, please do jump on your iTunes or whichever method you found it. Maybe you found it on Google Play. And how about give us a little bit of love, a bit of rating, a bit of feedback kind of love it's always good and i'm a narcissist enough to say give us a five-star rating because that's always helpful um and it's it makes me feel good at night cuddling the imaginary digital stars i'm sure monique would agree five stars Malk. you're like the uber driver of my ears you get five stars that is a recommendation people (laughs) is there any other star rating for uber i just give them all five yeah, no, I, I, I'll share a story with you about an Uber star rating issue I had once. It wasn't very nice. Mm, I'm desperate to know what my rating is. Some sizzle. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Monique Bowley is indeed human. Thank you. Thank you.